Hey guys, we're coming up on a holiday. Everybody loves this time of the year. So today we're gonna to be talking about living in Florida, Thanksgiving in Florida, and a few other things. We're getting after that next. Hey everybody, my name's Craig Cunha. I'm a real estate agent here in Southwest Florida. If you're looking for a channel to tell you a little bit more about what it's like to live, play, eat, sleep, and buy real estate on the Gulf Coast, this is the channel for you. Use the website or the app, ournextfloridahome.com, or the app is Our Next Florida Home. These will help you get started on your MLS searches. It's tapped right into the system that we use as realtors, so it'll let you see all the live time stuff. If you actually got a question that's not answered within this information, you've got to do what everyone else is doing. You've got to call, text, or email because I've got your back when moving to the Gulf Coast. All right, happy Thanksgiving all. I am so thankful for every single one of you, whether you've been a long time watcher, whether you're new to the channel, whether you're somebody that's already bought a home with me or somebody that's thinking about it. I thank every single one of you because I wouldn't be here without you. Anyway, yes, I do wanna address one thing. We are the folks that will put up Christmas decorations prior to eating turkey for Thanksgiving. It stays inside, we don't put it outside. <laughs> We're not quite that committed yet, but my son and I do love this time of year. It's our favorite holiday. So we like to get ahead of it, enjoy it for a little while. The ambiance of those lights uh, being on and all the uh, sparkling stuff going on. It is, it's a good mood setting thing for us. And he absolutely insisted on watching Elf while we did it. Eh, I can't complain. It's a good movie. We enjoy it together. So if you're one of those people that also puts up your decorations early, kudos to you. We don't care what anybody else thinks, right? Okay, so one of the things that does happen around this time of the year is the temperature changes. We're starting to see some fluctuations. Uh, they can be as much as five to 10 degrees just from here to Tampa, believe it or not. That's why people find their way a little further south towards us to get more of the subtropical because winter months can get cold. We can get in the 40s and sometimes the 30s. So while that might be normal for you back home, that's not normal for us, that's cold. And we obviously do enjoy that we get that break, but Summertime in Florida is pretty much hot everywhere, right? So we, we kind of expect that. But the one thing that you get on the coastlines is the breezes. It can be stifling if you're in the middle of the state. Uh, so keep that in mind when you're deciding where you're going to live, um, whether you're gonna be in a big city or a smaller town, and take these temperature fluctuations into account. They will make a difference, especially in the winter months and maybe how you're spending your time outside. Okay, so I met with Jack and Christine the other day and we were looking at a few different properties. Um, one of the things they came in thinking that maybe we want golf access. And we started looking at some golf access properties and it, it brought up a lot of conversation. I wanted to give a lot of reminders to those folks that are boaters or thinking about being a boater when considering whether you wanna live on the water and some things you need to look for. First things first, if you are looking to build a home, it's gonna be a long time. If it doesn't have a seawall on it like all the Northwest lots, it's gonna be even longer because it's about a year for the seawall and some, and I'm gonna say in most cases, due to all the permitting issues and, and getting somebody to do the job. And then the construction itself is usually more of a custom job. So that's a good two years plus. On top of that, you really have to weigh out why you want the golf access. Is it something that you need in the backyard for the convenience just to take everything out, load it up and take off? If that's important, okay, we'll discuss that a little bit more. If it's something about the commute that you might be concerned with, are you somebody that wants to be out in five or 10 or 15 minutes because you go out fishing often? Or are you okay with taking that 45 minute stroll out and back in? Remember, that's an hour and a half of time on that one boating day. That could get tedious. 
So if you're somebody that is concerned about commute times, then we ne you need to pay attention here because we're, we're going to be addressing a lot of things about golf access. First thing, if you're looking at a golf access lot, because you might have more time to build, Lots start right now at 113,000, and that's gonna be one of those long treks that we just talked about, probably more like an hour or more, just to get out. And then you tool around for the day, and after a long, hot, sweaty day, if you're here in the summertime, now you've gotta take that hour trip back. Probably not the best thing. In any case, the top end of the scale that I could find, just in a, a quick glance, was 1.5 million. You can imagine this was a pretty prime spot, but it was still only a quarter acre. It was down at the tip of um, Cape Coral. So yes, access was fantastic. You're out in, not, I don't know if it's even a minute. It's very, very quick. So that's why you pay the extra money. Now is 1.5 a little out of the uh, realm of realistic? A lot of people would think so. I might be one of them. But once again, we're not making any more land on the water. And we're not cutting any more canals here. So if you want this kind of access, there's a hefty price tag to pay for that. So then that begs the question, what well, would you be okay with storing your boat maybe at a marina? I have mine in dry storage. And it's because of one of the reasons was the cost of being on golf access. It escalated quickly. Now it's starting to come back down again for finished homes, but those are older finished homes. So you may have to do some updates to it and things like that. The other thing you need to consider, Jack was telling me about his boat. He's got this fantastic 36-footer that he keeps elsewhere right now and would like to bring it here. Well, with the 36-foot boat, you have to really, really pay attention to bridge heights. Our bridge heights here are only about eight and a half to nine feet. There might be one in the entire city that's closer to 11, but that's not the norm. So that means you're gonna be stuck on direct access. That means no bridges. So you have to pay attention. That's going to be everything to the east of Del Prado, everything south of Cape Coral Parkway. And you're going to get some of it up in the northwest, but it's very limited. Um, very, very small strip uh, of uh, lots and homes up in that area that get direct access. So you got to pay really close attention to that. The other thing is, do you have to maneuver a boat that big? Probably, right? Look at the width of the canals. Some of our canals are only 80 feet wide. And if there's docks on both sides, that could be problematic if you're trying to turn that thing around. Pay attention to that as well. And if you're putting a dock in, or if you don't, if, you, if there's not a dock there already, the rule here is 25% of the canal can be used for your dock or up to 40 feet. So it's one or the other, it's whatever way the math works out for you, but you have to pay attention to these, to these uh, distances because it will play a part in your decision. Okay, so I was uh, visiting with uh, Jay, Jackie, and Emma yesterday, and an interesting topic came up because of the storm. We started um, discussing the screen situation here because obviously we have a lot of damage, so we discuss how it's going, how things are getting fixed, all that. They had to makeshift repair their uh, screening just to be able to keep the geckos out because you know they're, those things are everywhere here. But the bigger concern came up out of that conversation. What are we doing about keeping the kids away from these pools? Part of the reason that we have these screen enclosures here is for safety issues. So that little ones that can't swim can't access those pools. Just out of my walk this morning, I took a shot of a couple different homes that had no screens. That means anybody, even, actually even animals can walk in there, fall in the pool, and if there's nobody there to be alerted that they're there, who knows what could happen? I don't know 
what the actual rules are in place after a storm like this as far as when you have to get them um, repaired. But if you can get screening and you're one of those people that have this issue, I would encourage you to get that fixed or find some way to put uh, some kind of barrier around the uh, lanai so that nobody can access it just for the safety issue. We hear all the time about overpriced cities. And you know what? Southwest Florida gets a big bad rap for that. But you know what? They did a list of 15 different cities that you probably can't afford in the next five years, and we're not on there. No place in Southwest Florida is on there. There's only two places in Florida that made the list, Orlando and Lakeland. That's it. So maybe you should be paying attention to why these prices are what they're doing in the different areas. Many of them are destination cities. They're very attractive for whatever reasons that people want to get there. So it's not so much Florida is expensive, it's the destination cities and what they offer for people. So if you're considering moving to Florida, don't listen to all this BS out there saying Florida's not affordable for anybody, you can't live here, because we're not even close to many of these other cities out there that are well overpriced and above us. I've been talking to um, Dave and Denise also. This is more about a condo situation. They've been weighing out building on their lot versus buying a condo that gives them a lifestyle. And we found a really nice place. I'm not gonna divulge where it is just yet. If you're somebody looking for a, a condo in a golf course community where the golf is optional, you don't have to have it. If you're interested in something like that, let me know. But in this particular case, David and Denise are looking in this community and we're finding prices still in the 200s, believe it or not, for a condo, a brand new one. These, are, these won't even be finished until next year in many cases. But one of the things you have to consider if this is what you're kind of shifting your thinking around on is now you've got an HOA. Any community or any condo is gonna have a homeowners association. On top of that, it could have a CDD, Community Development District. Now an HOA basically has you paying for fees for the actual running of the amenities. So whether it's the clubhouse, the pools, maintenance um, of all the landscaping in the community, obviously in their case, it would be mowing all the different greens and fairways and things. That is what an HOA is for. Now, a master association would be for those amenities. A condo fee would be for the actual building itself. Each building could be broken out on its own fee. So we have to look at the fee schedule together on that but a CDD is completely different. This is basically an assessment that is put on that takes care of the infrastructure of that community as well as the amenities when they're installed. So it's all the costs that came before the houses started being built, that gets passed on to you. And it's on your tax bill, so you're paying it annually in your taxes, not monthly like you do the HOAs. That's the difference between an HOA and a CDD. If you have any more questions about that, let me know. Another thing we discussed um, when considering condos is the size of a condo. If you're somebody that's looking for a property right now to use seasonally as you come and visit and you still have a number of years before you retire, some people make the mistake and they buy something for that time period thinking, you know what, I'm just gonna get a smaller place, something just to lay our head down so we can go run around town and maybe rent it out when we're not there. Problem is, you will fall in love with Florida. It's just gonna happen. It happens to almost everybody. And when you do, and you wanna make this permanent when you retire, that condo doesn't work anymore. So what I'll encourage you to do is if there's a little bit bigger square footage unit that might have a, a garage, whether one car or two car, versus a carport, you may wanna consider getting that. Maybe spend a little more money now before prices go up further and securing something that you could actually live in full time then. 
because right now where you're living, you probably have storage space, right? You have a basement or somewhere else you can store things. We don't have basements here. So you don't have that option. Garages are one way that we store things. Attics, you can store some things as long as they're not going to be very fragile with heat because those attics get very hot. But pay attention to the living space when you are getting into a, especially a condo situation, because you're very limited on what you're working with. So rule of thumb, go a little bit bigger if you have the choice. All right, this next topic has two parts to it. This is about a Facebook page that we have here, and it's a moving to Florida page. And a lot of people on there give helpful information. Somebody shared that there is a tax break on any storm related improvements you make to your home, and they believe it runs into next year. So if you can get maybe impact windows put into your home um, and not pay tax on it, in this case, they save like $1,900 on it. So, you know, cost savings, every penny helps. But the other thing about these pages down here is people get really snarky really quick and they have lots of judgmental comments. So if you post a question on one of these forums, just warning you in advance, be ready for all kinds of different comments. So if you're somebody that's sensitive to people's remarks, don't do it. <laughs> Maybe have a friend do it so you don't have to see everything. But no matter what you try as far as being pleasant and even asking people not to make comments, it's going to happen. Happens to me on this channel. It's going to happen to you on Facebook. Now, there's this program that's, that's out there. It's called My Safe Florida Home. And this program basically allows you to get a free home inspection based on any storm damage. And it's for wind mitigation in particular. And when they do this inspection, if they find that there's enough of a reason for it, they'll give you up to a $10,000 grant to make improvements for this wind mitigation so that you're protected better in future storms. Again, we can check it out. I'll put a link down below that'll help you uh, follow that information a little bit better. But again, it is referred to as My Safe Florida Home. If you have to, Google it. It's out there. You may recall that we talked about the 50% rule here in the uh, Cape Coral area with repairs on homes. If more than 50% of the value of the home was deemed to be destroyed on the home, you have to bring the entire home up to code. That includes elevation. So the problem with that is that many of these homes, you can't just lift a home. It doesn't work that way. Uh, it's a lot more tedious than that. And what they've done to try and help out with the situation is they're increasing the valuation base by 15% so that maybe the value of the home is going to be a little bit higher and keep you under that 50% mark and keep you from having to make this change. I think a lot of people are on the same thought process that as this storm that we just had with Ian was that once in a lifetime kind of a storm. It's not going to be a normal occurrence. And if they can just kind of build back from this situation, not have to, again, do a complete teardown and start over and everything, it's gonna be a huge cost savings. But that's something that's right now proposed. I'll let you know as we get through it, if it actually takes place. And yes, red tide is real. You'll see it all up and down the coast right now. It basically stretching from Tampa down to Marco Island. So it's the entire coastline over here. It normally happens when a storm comes through. It stirs up everything in the water and it brings out these blooms. Now, they don't stay permanently. They're not long-term, but they could be both problematic with odors as well as some respiratory um, agitation. And I'll address the smell first. It's basically all marine life is affected by this and you get a large fish kill in many cases. Uh, you'll see fish all over the place. The odor does carry, obviously, until it's cleaned up. 
I didn't have my first real experience with Red Tide until probably a year or two ago. And the first part of that experience was we were out paddle boarding and we came back in and we actually, we had to wade through this. I mean, it's, it looks like cinnamon spread across the top of the water, right? That didn't affect us. Nothing whatsoever. Touching it, whatever. Didn't feel anything in our lungs. But I went another time um, with Zach and his kids, uh, with my son, up to the beach right off a tropical storm and the waves were breaking. And we sat there for a bit. I was away from the water. The kids were by the water. And they started coughing and complaining about it. And I'm like, well, what is this? What are you talking about? So I went down by the water. And after a short period of time of breathing in that mist off of the breaking waves, oh my goodness. It was such an irritation in the throat and lungs that we couldn't stay. We immediately had to pick everything up and leave. So red tide is real. It is an irritant. It can affect people in different ways. And it could be different conditions that might affect you. But we have it right now. It's gonna be here for the near future. I don't know how long it's gonna be there, but it is reality of being on the west coast of Florida. All right, so that's a little bit more about living in Florida, Thanksgiving in Florida, and a couple other things. If you've got any other questions about living in Florida or moving to Florida, check out one of these other videos. If you don't get the answer you're looking for there, you've got to call, text, or email because I've got your back when moving to the Gulf Coast.